bless his name. Oh, bless his name. Oh, bless his name. When I think of the goodness, when I think of his goodness and all he's done, I thank God just for one more, one more day. Amen. 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 Won't you repeat these words after me? I'm about to hear God's holy word concerning my life. My mind is focused. My ears are open. My heart is ready. My soul is thirsty. Now preach, preacher. I'm going to do the best I can, Daddy. Won't you say these? Won't you stand to your feet and let's read these words together from the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter number 16, verse 8. These words are recorded. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. For a great door and effectual is opened unto me. There are many adversaries. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to talk this morning from the subject, when God says go. When God says go. Uh, this is the third in a series of sermons, series entitled Doors. Last week in this series, we started to unpack how to make good godly decisions about the doors that we face in life career doors doors into relationships large purchase kind of doors doors that can in a large way impact the trajectory of our lives we looked last week at, at lot's choice to go to sodom and how he was lost in the luster and caught up in the glitter of a choice that ultimately was not all it appeared to be from afar off. For the benefit of those of you who were not with us on last Sunday, we said that if you're going to make good godly decisions that are in line with God's will for your life, that first of all, you must consider the spiritual implications of your choice. In other words, what does walking through these doors say about your values, about your morals, your ethics, and your faith? If you make that particular choice, are there spiritual ramifications with which you will have to contend? If you make that choice, if you go down that path, if you go through that door, are you making compromises that are important to you? Will you have to make concessions to the practicing or your, of your faith or expectations around your convictions as a believer? If you go through that door, can you really be all that you are? Will you be expected? Watch this. If you keep dating that person, what compromises are you having to make? about yourself and your faith if if you marry that person if you take that job what what compromises or concessions will you have to make relative to the practicing of your faith and if you have to make any that might not be the door that is meant for you you got to consider the spiritual implications of that door but then secondly we said if you're going to make good godly decisions you've got to take the time to pray before making major decisions 
in last week's text, we saw that Lot was anxious to make his choice, so much so that, that, that before he even talked it over with the Lord, he said, I, I'm going to that land where the grass is green, where the land is flat, and, and where there is a lot of water. That's where I'm going. And without even so much as lifting up his eyes to talk to the Lord, he chose to go to Sodom. It was almost as if he, he wanted to make sure that Abraham didn't go back and double back on him and, and, and get the land for himself. And I, I need to say this because I didn't say it to you last week. If, if God has opened a door for you, you don't have to beat anybody getting to it. Can't help it. If God has opened that door for you, guess what? That door is your door, and you don't have to outrun anybody to go through your door. That door has your name on it. Can't nobody else go through it but you, which means you have time to talk it over with God. Pray to the Lord. Pray to the Lord when it's time to make major decisions. The songwriter had it right when he said, what God has for me is for me. You can't have my door. You, you, you can't take my door. You can't beat me to my door. It's mine. Thirdly, thirdly, we said, if you're going to make good godly decisions that are in line with God's will for your life, then number three, you've got to seek good counsel from wise people. God has put people around you, not just to hang out with you, not just to be your buddy and not just to be your friend, but God has put people around you with wisdom who love you and who love him, who can tell you and show you what his will is for your life. So not only do you need to take time to talk to God, you need to take time to talk to people who know God. People who love you and who love the Lord because part of their responsibility in being in relationship with you is helping you to choose wisely. Do I have a witness here? Yeah, let, let them bless you with good, wise counsel. This morning now, we want to try and help you see where God may be leading you to go, which direction he may want you to take, which door through which he desires you to go. And if, if you don't mind, if you don't mind, preachers, I'm going to cut across the field just a little bit uh, because I want to get to where I'm going uh, and I don't have a whole lot of time to get there. So, so I'm going to cut across the field. But, but in cutting across the field, I'm, I'm going to just drop a few things on you because you need to know, you need to know that in this text, Paul, Paul, Paul is writing uh, this letter to the Corinthian church, but he is in Ephesus. He's in Ephesus, a place where he has stayed for about three years. He has been teaching for the first two years uh, in the school of Tyrannus. You'll find this in the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 19. Read that when you get home. The whole chapter of Acts is what gives you the backdrop for our text today. Chapter number 19, the book of Acts. Read that when you get home. I don't have time to go into all of it right here and right now, but what you need to understand about the book of Acts is right there in chapter 19 is where Paul goes to Ephesus and he is confronted with a culture of pagans. Pagans who worship idol gods, pagans who are, are worshiping in a temple built to the goddess Diana, Diana or Artemis. And in that temple, they, they, they did practice all kind of sexual immorality and called it worship. He, he is there in Ephesus. It's there in Ephesus where you see the seven sons of Sceva. You remember the seven sons of Sceva who went around and they were trying to exorcise demons. And the text says that, that they got to one demon and tried to exorcise him. And the demon jumped out and said, listen... Jesus we know, Paul we know, but who are you? Y'all remember that, don't you? 
And the demon jumped on them and beat them up and battered and bruised them and they left that place. That, that's all in chapter number 19 of the book of Acts. It's in Ephesus, my brothers and sisters, where it says that God gave Paul wonderful power to work miracles, so much so that the handkerchiefs that touched his body, when they took those handkerchiefs and laid them on the sick, that the sick were healed simply because it had contact with Paul. That's all in chapter 19, the book of Acts. That tells us about Ephesus. It's in Ephesus, my brothers and sisters, where, where Paul is preaching so much so, and, and he's preaching against witchcraft and sorcery and incantations. And, and the text says that, that one day all of those who were practicing such brought their books and burned them. And the worth of those books was some 50,000 silver coins. In today's currency, that would be a couple of million dollars. That's in the book of Acts, chapter number 19. And here, here is where Paul is. He's setting up a church. He's going back to check on that church. And there, there, there in Ephesus is where Paul runs into a man by the name of Demetrius. Demetrius was a silversmith, a silversmith who, who was making these idol gods. And when Paul got to preaching about Jesus, Demetrius recognized that, 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 that people stopped buying his idol gods. And Demetrius was okay with the preacher preaching, but as soon as it started affecting his money, yeah, you want to get people's attention, start messing with their money. He said, wait a minute, we got to do something about this preacher because he's going to get all of us poor. And so Demetrius and some of his friends got, got a couple of Paul's preacher friends and drugged them to the amphitheater. They had a two-hour pep rally lifting up the Greek goddess Diana. And, and that's where Paul says, watch this, in the context of all of that, Paul says, God opened up to me a great door. Now, wait a minute, Paul. You got to help me with that. How is it that you can be in a city where, 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 where there is sexual immorality, where, where there is the worship of idol gods, where, where, where there is witchcraft, sorcery, and incantations? How can you call that a great door? A great door. How, how can you refer to something as wicked as that? as a great door. And from that statement alone, we begin to understand something about the doors that God opens for us. The first thing I want you to begin to understand about doors that God opens is that those doors, godly doors, have consequences that reach beyond your own self-interest. Doors that God opens have consequences that reach beyond your own self-interest. In other words, another way of saying that is that when God opens doors, most times the doors that he opens are not just about you. Doors that he opens for you are not just about you. See, we tend to look at what God wants to do for us and how God wants to bless us and how he wants to set us up and blow us up and pour this, that, and the other into our lives until we're just overflowing and folk around us are living off of our overflow. And that's okay, but by and large, when the Lord opens doors, it's not primarily to bless you. 
it may bless you in return, but its purpose is more eternal and consequential than making you successful. Yes, you may get paid, but it's bigger than your paycheck. Yes, it might make you happy, but it's bigger than your happiness. Yes, it might come with all kinds of perks and benefits, but it's bigger than what you're getting out of it. God opens doors for the spread of the gospel, the growth of the kingdom, and the flourishing of human good. Which means that when we're making decisions about doors to walk through, we need to ask ourselves, which door leads to a life that's bigger than just me? Which of these doors, if I go through it, the end result is more than just me at the center? Paul saw Ephesus as an open door not because he was going to be blessed financially. He saw it as an open door not because he was going to be famous there. He saw it as an open door, not because it was going to be the height of his professional career as a preacher. It was an open door, not because Ephesus would look good on his resume or, or would become another notch in his belt or, or something wonderful to put in his portfolio. No, it was an open door because there was kingdom work to do there. It was an open door because there were hearts that needed to be changed. There were bodies that needed to be healed. There were people who needed to be touched. There were systems that needed to be disrupted. There was an evil that needed to be confronted. There were lies that needed to be corrected. There were wrongdoing that needed to be interrupted. There was darkness that needed to be pushed back. There were souls that needed to be saved. So God opened the door for Paul in Ephesus. And Paul saw Ephesus in an open door, not because of what he could get out of it, but what, because of what God wanted him to pour into it. When God says go, it is not always to give you something. But oftentimes, it's so that you can make a deposit in that place. See, we got to switch our thinking. We're, 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 we're looking at doors we're looking at doors and trying to figure out how we're going to be blessed by it. And the door that blesses us the most, that's the door we're going to choose. I want to suggest to you that oftentimes the doors that God are opening are the doors where you're going to make the greatest deposit. Mm. See, see, you want a door, you want to go through a door where, where it leads to a harvest. And oftentimes, God is opening a door that leads to you planting. You, you want to go through a door that, that you can reap from, and God is opening a door where you can deposit into the soil, where you can plant and water. You want a door that's already green on the other side. God is opening a door where the fields are brown. It's going to require you to till the soil. It's going to require you to work it before any good can come out. Y'all ain't talking to me in here. And, and, and you looking at that door, you say, I don't want none of that. But, but that's the door that God has opened to you. That's why it's a great door. Anybody can go to a door where it's already green. It takes Holy Ghost field folk to recognize a door that is open where it's going, you're going to have to work it before anything good will come out of it. So doors are not always about you. Oftentimes, it's about what you can give to it rather than what it 
can give to you. And here's the good news, y'all. If you're faithful in giving where God plants you, it'll return to you. If you're faithful in planning, oh, I know what I'm talking about. If you're faithful and in, in diligent in, 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 in what God has given you to do, I, I, I'm a witness that, that whatsoever a man soweth, you, you will reap it. Now, you might not reap it there, but, but it might be five years later in another vineyard, but what you sowed over here, you'll get over there. Secondly, 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 something to understand about the doors that God opens. Doors opened by God are not necessarily free of opposition. Doors opened by God are not necessarily free of opposition. Usually when we try to figure out which door to go through, we're looking and, and we're trying to figure out which is the path of least resistance. What is the easy door? The door that doesn't have any obstacles, any opposition, no adversary. That, that's the door we want to choose. But look at verse 9 in the text. Verse 9 says, for a great door and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. There are many adversaries. Paul says, Paul says, watch this. It's a great door, but I recognize going through this door, I'm going to have some opposition. But the opposition does not make it not a great, it's still a great door. I need to tell you, I need to tell you, just because there's some opposition and just because there's some challenges and just because you're going to have some adversaries and some conflict along the way does not mean that God is not in it. God can open up a great door that requires opposition requires someone of your character, someone of your stamina, someone of your faith to walk through that door. Oh, my God. My God, my God. The problem with a lot of us is that we think that in order for God to be, for that door to be from God, that it must be a problem-free path. In order for it to be from God, it must go without being challenged. It, it has to flow with ease and convenience because the Bible says God is not the God of the author of confusion but of peace. And, and if confusion is there, then God must not be, be in it. But before you pack up your bags and leave, before you pass by an opportunity, before you decide that the Lord doesn't want you there, have you ever thought that that's exactly why God may have led you there? That's exactly why he may have put you there because of the God in you and your presence brings peace to places where there is organized chaos. Your presence brings clarity to misguided thinking. Your presence brings light to darkened rooms where decisions are made. Your presence brings compassion to heartless meetings where policies are being written. Your presence brings joy to broken lives that show up for hours. Your presence is the very thing that God says, that's why I want you there. That's why I need you there, because of the opposition that is there. Because of the challenges that are there. Because of the growth that needs to take place there. And he sends some of his best soldiers to some of the most difficult places. God opens doors, but they are not always problem free. 
I remember. I remember well, preachers. I remember well when I was called to my first church in Illinois. And at that time, actually, there were two churches that, that, that had called me at the same time. One was in Champaign and one was in Danville. And I had a choice to make. I was a young preacher. This was going to be my first church. And both of them said, we want you to come and be our pastor. One church was in Champaign. Champaign is, is a college town, the University of Illinois, where I did my master's work. That's in Champaign. 40,000, 50,000 students come there every year right there. And so it would be a wonderful thing for a young pastor to pastor right there in Champaign. It, I mean, you got a playground in your backyard of students. You can have all kind of student ministry thriving right there. Wonderful place, wonderful opportunity. And I just knew that that's where I was going to pastor, in Champaign. And when I prayed about it, the Lord said, go to Danville. Go to Danville. I said, okay, well, let me find out what's over in Danville. And I, I looked at the church, the church in Danville, and, and it was a smaller church than the church in Champaign, and it was an older church than the church in Champaign. It was a traditional, historic church, and I'm this young, energetic preacher, and I'm trying to figure out how am I going to go and pastor these people who are very traditional, very stuck in their ways. Amen. And, and everybody, everybody in the church was older than me. How am I going to pastor? And this is my first church. And I said, no, I'm, I'm going to Champaign. And the Lord said, go to Danville. And, and, and I'm, I'm looking at it and, and preachers, and, and, and they, 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 had just, they had just had a, a, a split in the church. And, and the pastor and the, the previous pastor in the congregation, they didn't get along. It was an ugly split. People had left, so, so there were relationships that had been broken. There were, there were hearts that had been broken. There were people who, 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 had, been, who had really been, just been demolished in, in, their, in their hearts and in their spirits. And I'm looking at that and saying, Lord, I, I, don't, I don't need to deal with that in my first church. I just want to go and preach. And the Lord said, go to Danville. And I'm trying to figure out, God, why do you want me over there when it could be so easy right here and God said watch this because I can't make you a pastor where it's easy you got to have some challenges you got to learn if you're going to pastor if you're going to lead people you got to learn how to heal people you got to learn how to preach through heartache and you got to learn how to preach love and forgiveness and, and show people how to live up to the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. And you can't learn all of that in green pastures. And so God sent me to a place that was more difficult to pastor and I thank God that he did. And God did a wonderful work with us in Danville. I said all that to say this. Don't let the opposition cheat you from the opportunity. Don't let the obstacle cause you to miss the opportunity. Just because there are challenges don't mean that God is not opening that door. It's a great door. A great door of preparation. A great door of making you who God wants you to be as he makes others who they want them to be. Paul said it's a great door 
He's opened up to me. Last thing, and I'm, I'm, I just want you to write these things down. Listen, if you're wondering, if you're wondering, if you're wondering about the doors that God opens, God opens doors primarily, primarily for four reasons. Write these down. I don't have time to go into them. But God opens doors primarily for four reasons, and it's not about you. God opens doors primarily for four reasons. Number one, he opens doors so that the gospel may be proclaimed. He opens doors so that the lost may be saved. He opens doors so that the kingdom may be built. And he opens doors so that his name might be glorified. Write that down. Keep that up. Keep that up. He opens doors so the gospel will be proclaimed, so that the lost will be saved, so that the kingdom will be built, and so that his name may be glorified. Those are the doors that God is opening. Those are the doors. And if you're wondering which door to go through, you want to ask yourself, if I go through this door, is the gospel going to be proclaimed? If I go through this door, is this a door where the lost can be saved by, by the light that I share? If I go through this door, is this a door that will help the kingdom of God be built? Watch this. What does that have to do with relationships? Why? Well, well you know, like I said earlier, depending on who you're in relationship with, will determine a lot about what you do and how you live your life. Amen, lights. Some of you have walked through some doors and you figured out that being in a relationship with that person meant you had to calm down on your face. You couldn't worship the way you wanted to worship. You couldn't go to Bible study the way you wanted to go to Bible study. Because they got jealous because you were spending all your time at that church. Y'all ain't talking to me in here. Is his name being glorified? The decision you make is that a decision that ultimately brings glory to God's name? Can you do what you do in full confidence that in the end, God is glorified? Because the word says, in everything you do, whether you eat, whether you drink, whatever you do, let it be done to the glory of God. If going through any particular door you know that in the end, God gets no glory. Stay out of it. Back up. Go the other way. Because that's not a door that God has opened for you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. And give you his peace. Let's pray right now. Let's pray right now. God, our Father, how thankful we are that you, you very purposefully and patiently and providentially open doors for us. God, we thank you now that Jesus Christ is and remains the open door. God, we pray right now for someone who, who needs to walk through that door, through that door into a relationship with God, through that door into fellowship with the Father, through that door, that door that was opened 2,000 years ago when your son, our Savior, died on Calvary's cross. God, now I pray for someone who needs 
to open the door to their hearts and let Jesus in. God, I pray for someone who has yet to confess Jesus as Lord. Give them the strength. Give them the courage. Give them the faith to simply say now, yes. I'm going to walk through this door. This door that you open by giving your life. This door that you open by shedding your blood. This door that you open by loving me so much that you were willing to lay down your life. I'm going to walk through this door. If you're here this morning, the doors of the church are open. You can come now, wherever you are, whoever you are. Perhaps you've already given your life to Christ, but if you don't have a church home, the doors are open. You can come now by letter, by Christian experience, as a candidate for baptism. Wherever you are, whoever you are, the doors are open. Come now. Come now. Come now. Come now. My God. Hallelujah. Bless his name.
just to please you, Jesus. Hey, take it of you. I'll follow. tell me to go, I'll go. It is my desire to please you, Lord. Reverend. Amen. Brother Bailey is coming to us by Christian experience. Amen. And you've already stated that you have been baptized. You have been a member of a church before. This church accepts you as a member. Are you willing to study with us? Yes. Are you willing to work with us? Yes. Amen. And I, let me tell you now, you came to the right place. Amen. Oh, bless his name. I'm going to ask that you go with Sister Foster. Bless his name. That you be scheduled for your orientation class. Amen. Why don't y'all do what y'all need to do right here if you can? Is that all right? Amen. God bless you. Don't have him walk too far. Y'all just, y'all take it. Just do it right there. Amen. Walk, put him right there. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Let the church say amen. Let's say amen again. Come on, stand to your feet, stand to your feet, stand to your feet. Now may the grace of God and the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with each of you now, henceforth, and forevermore. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen and amen. God bless you. Go in peace. <laughs>